The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody! Help! Not just anybody! Help! You know I need someone! Help! Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to episode 313 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician retired from practice. Our topic today is Mothers for a Human Future. The, the future of individual humans is strongly influenced by genetics. This is the natural process by which children inherit from their parents many physical characteristics and behaviors, health, and certain diseases. With what's called genetic engineering, researchers are researching ways to change for the better the physical characteristics and behaviors health, and certain diseases that through genetics are inherited by children. Researchers see assisted reproductive technologies as an important way to implant the genetic changes they believe they'll be able to engineer. Assisted reproductive technologies include in vitro fertilization, intrauterine insemination, and various ways of involving another woman to take the place of the female partner of a couple. These technologies may be relied on by women who cannot become pregnant even after medical or surgical treatment. Assisted uh, reproductive technologies, as researchers see them, would be an effective way to transfer genetically engineered genes to the human egg, which carries the genetics of the baby's forebears and descendants. And it's increasingly likely that scientists will one day be able to genetically engineer humans to possess certain desired physical characteristics and behaviors, all of which is why our topic, Mothers for a Human Future, is so important to us all. To discuss it, our guests are Enola Erd and Dr. Marcy Donofsky. Um, Enola is a lawyer, activist mother, and founder and director of Mothers for a Human Future. That's an organization. Mothers for a Human Future is a non-profit initiative working to preserve our humanity in the face of technological and commercial forces that are pushing us toward what has been called a post-human future. Mothers for a Human Future is focused on promoting awareness, advocacy, and activism about biotechnologies that could alter the human species. Marcy is Executive Director of the Center for Genetics and Society in the U.S. She holds a Ph.D. from the University of California, Santa Cruz, 
She communicates widely on the politics of human biotechnology, focusing on the implications for social justice and public interest. She's written for uh, publications such as The Nation, Democracy, Harvard Law and Policy Review, and many other publications. She's appeared on numerous television, radio, and online news shows, and has been interviewed for hundreds of articles. She's worked as an organizer and advocate in various environmental and progressive political movements. So welcome to the show, Enola Ramasi. Thank you very much. It's great to be with you. Thanks, Gordon. Okay. Enola, let's start with you. Please tell us a bit more about your life and your work. Enola? Sure. Well, I was uh, born in the Republic of Panama in Central America and migrated, I won't tell you how long ago, I migrated to the United States when I was nine years old. I am a lawyer uh, by training and practiced corporate law for uh, several years until I had my first child and uh, decided to withdraw from the workforce for a little while. That uh, little while turned into uh, many years. And during that time, uh, I think my sense of what is important in life changed dramatically. And I became deeply concerned about the well-being of children, uh, the plight of children in the United States, and uh, really kind of led me to a new vocation as an activist mother with this personal mission statement to help create a culture that is truly worthy of the children that, that mothers bring into the world. So that is the kind of quixotic way that I spend my days, Gordon, and that is what led me to create uh, Mothers for a Human Future. And we're going to hear more about that uh, throughout this episode. Marcy, please tell us more about your life and your work. Marcy? Okay. Um, Well, um, my interest in issues having to do with human genetics uh, grew out of the way that I saw so many um, social issues about science and about technology affecting us, um, both as individuals and members of families and communities, and as a society, uh, these forces can be so powerful, but we don't really have any mechanisms, or we have very few and very weak mechanisms for influencing how decisions about technologies are made. Um, so, you know, while we assume that there should be democratic influences over uh, what kind of tax policies or education policies or who should be president or prime minister or senator or mayor, we just take for granted that there should be some input from a wide range of people in a democracy about those decisions. But we don't have mechanisms, um, or at least we don't have robust mechanisms for influencing the applications of powerful new technologies. And when I first heard about the ways that some small number but a disturbing number of influential scientists and futurists and others were recommending that we use human genetic technologies and assisted reproductive technologies to um, engineer the human future. Um, I was quite shocked and appalled and got involved in this work some 15 years ago. Right. Now, Enola, back to you, please. Please highlight for us the mission of your organization, Mothers for a Human Future. Yes, sure. As as you mentioned, uh, Mothers for a Human Future uh, has as its mission um, the goal of saving us from a post-human future. And I would describe that as a a future in which biotechnologies are used to radically alter the genetic makeup of human beings and the human species. 
Um, our aim is to help build a, a global mother-driven movement to keep us from that future, to save us from that. You know, we live in a world that is, that's really overrun by what Robert Bell years ago called the mother, money world values of self-indulgence and instant gratification and materialism. And our purpose is to encourage mothers to be leaders for mother world values, what we uh, see as the, the, the sort of essential values uh, for raising children. Those values are roughly connectedness, sacrifice, and stewardship, which we see as kind of diametrically opposed to the dominant values of our culture. They're values that are implicit in the work of mothering and really essential for the care and nurture of human beings and for the preservation of our humanity. The, the do-whatever-you-want values that dominate especially American society, are propelling us toward a future in which we could very well witness the creation of clones, uh, genetically modified children, and the increasing commodification of human beings. And I, I believe that mother world values, that focused as they are on, on the well-being of children, may be our society's um, last best hope, maybe only remaining source of values that might help us uh, slow ourselves down and set limits on ourselves so that we use new biotechnologies in ways that preserve our humanity and refuse to use them in ways that take us down to the, uh, down to the depths of the post-human road. Um, in, in our view, there's no more crucial question today than how we use new technologies that are changing human reproduction and could fundamentally alter the human species. Right. Now, Marcy, it's the same question for you. Please highlight the mission of the Center for Genetics and Society. Marcy? Okay, well, let me start by saying that the Center for Genetics and Society actually got its start out of the very concerns that Enola was just talking about, the concerns that um, these powerful new technologies, which can do great good, would be used, uh, abused, um, to try to engineer um, super species or, uh, on the other hand, uh, less um, competent future generations to serve in, uh, you know, just uh, subordinate roles. And these kinds of uh, proposals have been made. So when we heard about them, we thought we did need a civil society organization to respond and to raise the awareness of the general public and of uh, leaders of other civil society organizations about some of these, what seemed to us really harmful and pernicious ideas. So the Center for Genetics and Society um, took shape as a nonprofit information and public affairs organization. We're based in Berkeley, California. And our mission statement is to encourage responsible uses and effective societal governance of human genetic and assisted reproductive technologies. And we come to these issues and assess new practices and technologies through a lens of social justice, human rights, and the public interest. And we believe that um, the issues that these powerful new technologies pose call for new kinds of understanding uh, that we hope will become widespread and for social engagement and political engagement on the part of individuals and families and public interest organizations and policymakers. And so to try to accomplish that, we work with a network of um, both scholars and advocates um, scholars across a number of disciplines, including law and uh, international policy, sociology and anthropology, women's studies, children's rights, and also we work um, when we work with advocates. It's across a range of constituencies that include um, 
advocates working for reproductive rights, health and justice, for disability rights, for racial justice, for environmental protection, and, and the like. We do support um, benign uses and beneficial uses of genetic and reproductive technologies, but we're very concerned with um, a number of misunderstandings about what these technologies can do, and we're very concerned about some um, problematic uses to which they're being put. Right. Now, what's very clear is that what you both in your organizations are focused on is as fundamental as babies being born to mothers and the question of the inheritance of those babies and whether human, human, other humans can interfere with the natural processes and if they can, for what purpose and if they can't, for what purposes should they not be permitted to do it. Uh, I can, if I can say this to you, and it's perhaps unnecessary, but I can think of no more fundamental issue for our society in North America. Now, at this point, I'm going to take the break. I often say this is where we have to pay the rent. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, my guests are Enola Ed and Dr. Marcy Donofsky. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We will be back. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. There are 13 unbreakable habits of truly enlightened people. These life-changing habits are discussed on Dream the Life, Live the Dream with Dr. Yomi Garnett. We'll offer an excursion in self-discovery along with wisdom that will allow you to stay on the correct path toward your destiny. You can find excellence in your life. Tune in every Thursday at 7 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time. That's 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for this exciting transformational journey. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in to the Voice America Empowerment Channel every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Vasily. Radio to thrive by. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at familycaregiversunite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week. Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. 
Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Enola Ed and Dr. Marcy Donofsky. Our topic is Mothers for a Human Future. Now, both of you, let's talk about the harmfulness you see in the ways in which human genetic engineering and assisted reproductive technologies are developing. Starting with you, Enola, please, what is the harmful you see in the development of human genetic engineering? Enola? Sure. Well, you know, like all genetic, all technologies, uh, genetic technologies are moving extremely fast. And as, as Marcy suggested, some of the, the, the technological developments are really good and are to be encouraged and pursued. And um, the problem, the challenge is that, that, that some of the techniques that might be used to help people form families and, and help cure diseases might also be misused to do things like create clones, make designer babies, and, and maybe even at some point um, produce uh, new species of human beings. So I think for us as a human civilization, we're facing a very important question, and that is whether biotechnologies that have been used to create what some consider to be better plants and better animals, breed them, uh, which has been going on for some time, whether Similar technologies, biology, should be used to create what some consider to be better human beings. Um, so human genetic engineering could open the door to a new brand of eugenics in which parents pursue their own uh, personalized visions of children and to a perversion of the relationship between parents and children that would essentially treat children more like manufactured products than, than human beings with, with emotions and feelings. That's, as a mother, that's my... Uh, it's kind of central concern. And for people who may think that this is, you know, something well in the future, it's very important to note that right now the United Kingdom is on a course to become the first country in the world uh, to create an exception to what is, in effect, a global moratorium on the use of genetic engineering uh, techniques in human beings. This exception would allow the use of uh, what's called mitochondrial manipulation. And I defer to Marcy, who's the expert on these matters, to correct me if I've, I've misstated the technicalities of this. But basically, it would employ cloning and other biologically extreme measures to create three-parent babies, to, to help a small number of women who are affected by a rare form of mitochondrial disease have biologically related children who are unaffected by that disease. It would work essentially by inserting the nucleus of an egg of a woman who has unhealthy mitochondria into an enucleated egg with healthy mitochondria from another woman. This really uh, deconstructed and reconstructed eggs would then be fertilized with sperm and the result would be a genetically modified three-parent baby. Now, the modifications, it's important to note, and any mistakes that might be made in this process would not be limited to the child in whom the change is made, but would be passed on to all of the descendants of the girls whose genome has been modified. And in that process, possibly introducing new genetic diseases into the, the human population. Now, I'm going to go to switch to Marcy now because it's the same question, but... It's about the harmfulness, Marcy, you see in the development of assisted reproductive technologies. What, what's the harmfulness there? Marcy? Well, um, let me pick up where Enola left off to talk about this particular technique, and then maybe we can also look at some other issues um, having to do with assisted reproductive technologies. So the process that Enola described is one that would not be used by, by very many people at all. Um, there are some 
techniques associated with assisted reproduction that can be used to prevent the transmission of diseases that are, are uh, everyone agrees are really terrible diseases where children suffer and die at a young age, like Tay-Sachs disease. Um, this can be done by um, looking at embryos that are created outside the body and not returning to a woman's uterus, the embryos that are affected by, say, in this case, Tay-Sachs. In the case of the mitochondrial diseases that Enola was talking about, the situation is a little different. Um, some of these diseases are um, quite mild, but some are quite devastating. And it's understandable that uh, women who um, are affected by very serious mitochondrial disease would want to avoid passing those conditions on to their children. But in fact, the vast, well, first of all, there, are, as Enola said, there are very, very few, like literally a handful perhaps in a country like the UK where this is being considered, United Kingdom where this is being considered. One of the advocates for, the te- uh, for this extreme technology said that um, she thought that perhaps 10 women a year would be even candidates for using the technology that's being developed there. And these women um, could actually use other ways, of uh, high te- including high-tech ways, of forming a family with a healthy child. So they could use that embryo screening technology that I just referred to to select only embryos that weren't affected by the condition that they have and wanted to avoid transmitting. It's a little trickier with mitochondrial disease than with a disease like Tay-Sachs, but it can be done. Um, so um, this idea that, uh, that we should use the tools of genetic manipulation to affect future children and all future generations, as Enola said, is one that policymakers around the world took a look at and decided we shouldn't do it. And they drew a line, and it's a bright line in terms both of tech, technical issues and in terms of policy, that says we are not, we're fine with doing um, genetic modification to try to help people who are existing and who are sick, but we're not going to do genetic modification on future children or future generations. And that's what's at stake here, um, first and foremost, or most immediately, I guess, as a way um, with the objective of letting a very small number of people avoid transmitting this very particular kind of mitochondrial disease. But the concern, one concern, aside from safety issues, which are very serious, is that allowing this would open the door to further kinds of manipulations, genetic manipulations of future generations. And that's something that most people, when they're asked in opinion polls, agree is a terrible idea, that movies like Gattaca show uh, some of the possible and likely implications of, and that policymakers in dozens of countries all around the world have taken so seriously that they've put laws on the books against those. And what we're talking right. about specifically is, is the prospect of uh, genetically modified designer babies and the opening of the door to a kind of consumer eugenics, which we mentioned before. And if some children have genetic material from two parents, as has been the case for all of human history to this point, and other children have genetic material from three or more parents, we, we really would be creating uh, the Gattaca-like situation that, that Marcy talks about, the different classes of human beings um, leading to the end of our common humanity, um, potential clashes between these different classes and species. Um, so the stakes, as you can see, are extremely high. 
Um, we're, we're entering into what we usually consider to be science fiction, but that is really uh, turning into, you know, really uh, the possibility of science fact. Right. And that really is human genetic engineering undermining the health and safety of future generations, isn't it, Enola? I think so. I mean, just the prospect of the, the level of experimentation, the ex- unprecedented level of experimentation that would be required in order to pull this thing off. Um, for me, as a mother, it's just it's, uh, unconscionable. The thought of right. it is, you know, everyone agrees that it is unethical to experiment on human beings without their consent. Uh, right. But these procedures would definitely involve that because the human beings are not existing. They, we're talking about allowing scientists to bring into existence children whose genes would have been irreversibly changed using high-risk experimental techniques uh, when neither they nor their descendants, the, the children that, would, that they would uh, bring into the world subsequently, whose genes would have also been irreversibly changed, would have been able to give their consent in any way. Right. Marcy, back to you. How could assistive reproductive technologies undermine the dignity and well-being of children? Marcy? Well, with this extreme technique that we're talking about, and and we're not talking right here about assisted reproductive technologies in general, but this issue of the so-called three-person embryos or three-parent babies, um, I think that a key issue really is the consent one that Enola raised, and then the other one is really about safety. Mm-hmm. Um, the the, the, the um, researchers who would like to go ahead and actually try these techniques in human beings have so far um, successfully produced several monkeys, but those monkeys still are not of reproductive age, um, the monkeys seem okay, but they're a very small number. We know from cloning experiments in animals that there are significant safety differences. And people who work with patients who are affected by mitochondrial disease, as well as people who, you know, are molecular and cell biologists, have raised a, a, a host of safety questions that they don't think have been well enough addressed yet in, in these proposals. And it's kind of... Um, puzzling, I think, to a lot of observers as to why this push is so strong to move forward so quickly before even the basic safety issues that would affect the children have been addressed. To, to, to Marcy's point about uh, scientists and, and really established uh, researchers who really raised serious questions about this, the committee of the United States Food and Drug Administration that that advises the agency on, on these matters has concluded that there are really too many known and unknown risks that would be imposed on resulting children and their descendants. Um, the, the bottom line is that, and from their point of view, scientists simply don't know enough about the long-term effects of the basic science uh, on, of deconstructing and then reconstructing eggs on animals, let alone human beings, to proceed at this juncture. Right. Now, it's... We've come to the time where we need to take the break again. And just my quick comment back to you both is that when states, in the sense of big governments, of big organizations, become involved in things, you'd mentioned eugenics, which is where women and men were compulsorily sterilized because governments feared that they would produce offspring that would be a burden on the state. And that 
was occurred in both Canada and the US. Um, so therefore, when governments get involved in this kind of obsession that they have with the bodies of citizens, um, I would could only emphasize back to you the, the absolute importance of the issues that you've raised, including that of consent. And in fact, how do you get the consent, the informed consent of people who are unborn generations ahead. And that's more than a philosophical point. However, it's time for me to stop because it's time to take the break again. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley and my guests are Enola Ed and Dr. Marcy Donofsky. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We will be back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Are you ready to move to your next level? Listen for Empowering Women, Transforming Lives with host Rebecca Hall Greider. Each show will focus on a central topic with discussion, guests, and your questions being featured. Our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger, more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement, inspiration, and practical steps to support them on their journey. Empowering Women, Transforming Lives can be heard live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Want more positivity in your life? Are you ready to get healthy, happy, and energized? Join the Stella Donna Goddess Gals, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany for a power hour of stimulating, supportive conversation on Star Style. Be the star you are. A lineup of best-selling authors, celebrities, and experts. Join the effervescent mother-daughter dynamic duo in this upbeat, positive, life-changing talk radio playground. Star Style, Be the Star You Are, Wednesdays, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific, 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Lend us your ears. It's power time. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at familycaregiversunite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week, Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Enola Ed and Dr. Marcy Donofsky. Our topic is Mothers for a Human Future. Now let's talk about progress, progress as you see it, in combating the harmfulness that you've both been talking about and identified. So Enola, starting with you, what do you think of the progress being made in combating the harmfulness you see in the development of human genetic engineering? Enola? Well, as as Marcy mentioned, um, because human genetic engineering could lead to designer babies, consumer eugenics, and the alteration of the human species and all the, the things we've been talking about, over 40 countries have adopted policies prohibiting its use. Uh, human genetic engineering is prohibited by the Charter of Fundamental Rights of the European Union, 
the Council of Europe's Convention on Biomedicine and Human Rights, the UNESCO Universal Declaration on the Human Genome, and many other instruments of, of international law. That's good, and that's good progress. We simply need to expand on those protections. And we need to somehow emphasize to countries like the United Kingdom that any decision to allow the use of human genetic engineering techniques is of such profound consequence to the entire human community that it should not be made unilaterally by any particular country, any one country. Um, one of the things I'm concerned about is that these, these techniques raise issues that are profoundly significant to all human beings, but yet there's relatively little public discussion, public awareness of it even. Um, this is all going on very much under the radar screen. Um, kind of the conversation is being monopolized by scientists and researchers. So I see a, a, a really pressing need uh, to raise the level of public awareness and, and dialogue on this issue and a pressing need to uh, work to maintain uh, the existing worldwide moratorium on the use of any form of human genetic engineering. What we need is time to develop a kind of broad-based um, international public education uh, conversation and decision-making about the right regulatory framework to do what Marcy said, which is to promote responsible uses of these technologies to decide which ones we want to use and under what conditions and which ones we want to say are simply off limits because they could um, move us into that post-human future. Right. Marcy, same question. What do you think of the progress being made in combating the harmfulness you see uh, in the development of assistive reproductive technologies or in genetic, human genetic engineering? Marcy? Well, Inola is absolutely right that we need to really spread public awareness. And I, and I just really do want to, you know, keep on coming back to emphasize that um, there are so many um, applications of genetic technologies and um, for, for medical purposes and applications of assisted reproductive technologies for forming families, people who aren't able to have children without um, advanced medical assistance. And these are ones that we should support. But we do need to ask people to take a really close look at the potentially um, very, very significantly harmful effects of misuses of these technologies. So um, the idea of eugenics is one that um, many people simply associate with, with uh, Nazi Germany and mm. don't know, as you brought up, Gordon, that there were robust eugenics movements in the United States, in Canada, in uh, Western Europe. And, you know, many of the people that were advocates of eugenics were well-meaning. They thought they were doing something that was good for society. And, and so I think that often people think, well, we have this advanced science. We can, we can implement these powerful technologies. Why not? And they really do need to, um, we really do need to take a step back and think in a deeper way about some of these potential horrific uh, scenarios that could easily develop if we aren't careful about the way that these are used. So we could have a, um, uh, a eugenics that wasn't necessarily sponsored by countries or states, but instead were accomplished or would develop out of um, a, uh, what, well, what Enola called it a consumer eugenics. 
So it would be, uh, well, perhaps well-meaning uh, scientists or, or parents who thought that this was the way to give their child the best start in life would be, let's just tweak their genes a little to give them higher intelligent or perfect pitch or to make them uh, taller, blonder, whatever it was. And you could see how this could become almost like a, a rat race where people would feel pressured to do that for their own children because the neighbors um, were doing it for their children and, and you have to compete in, in this world. And one issue that actually um, spreads from these extreme technologies that we're focusing on today to other uses of assisted reproduction is that this is taking place very much in a competitive market economy, and it's a, um, it, it's a lucrative business in, in, as well as a way to have something priceless, a baby. So um, we do need to look at the commercial aspects that exist now and that could exist in the future if, if these extreme technologies were to be pursued. Right. And, and I now, think we, we need to focus on, on our, our current value system. Our current value system says, you know, if it, if it can be done, let's just do it. There are not too many breaks on technology anywhere. Um, Marcy and I have talked about this. That, you know, we've managed to do it with nuclear technology, but not too many other places. My view, and I think Marcy shares this view, is that this is comparable to nuclear technology in terms of its consequential nature. It could really change um, the direction of human civilization fundamentally, and therefore it, it, it is akin to nuclear technology and needs to, you know, it really should, should cause us to stop and take the time to be deliberative, take the time to really make sure that everybody is up to speed on it, understands it, understands the implications, um, and, and has a chance to weigh in on this. Right. And that's an answer to the question, I think, of at least some of the steps that you and Nola advocate to increase progress in combating the harmfulness that you've identified. That is more and better understanding. Are there any, just quickly, are there any other steps that you would advocate to increase progress? Well, I think that, uh, you know, certainly the, the action that's pending in the United Kingdom uh, underscores the need for, you know, sort of a global consultation and oversight on these technologies. I mean, we don't have a robust framework for, for dealing with this, this very crucial issue. Uh, we at Mothers for Human Future support and really urge all advocates for children to, to build support for a continuation and expansion of the global moratorium on the use of human genetic uh, engineering techniques. And we also um, are fond of um, uh, the notion of a global convention to preserve the human species. Back in uh, 2002, uh, uh, several bioethicists issued a call for uh, a global convention on the preservation of the human species. The goal there was to ban reproductive cloning and human genetic engineering and to require that all countries establish, and I quote, a national system of oversight to regulate facilities and assisted reproduction. The reason for this is that, in the, and the authors of that, that uh, proposed convention were, were right, they, they said that altering the human species is an issue that directly concerns all of us and should only be decided democratically by a body that's representative of everybody on the planet because it's like the most important thing that we, most important decision that we will ever make. So we, uh, although that, 
that seems like a, an impossible task, we believe that we ought to be pressing for the adoption of that kind of global convention, um, not just to focus on reproductive cloning and human genetic engineering, but all technologies that could potentially alter the human species. And there are a number coming online, uh, the potential for combining human beings with, with, with computers and machines and robots, for example. Yes. Uh, no, no, I'm only going to stop you there because we're going to run out of time. And I just want to hear Marcy's view on what she would advocate in addition to the kind of things you've been talking about to increase progress about the things well, things to be done to combat the harmfulness you've both been talking about. Marcy? Well, I think all the things that Enola uh, mentioned are really quite important. And I think that for a lot of people, the place to start is just by learning um, what what's going on here and learning to, you know, be able to, with confidence, make the kinds of distinctions that we're talking about between beneficial and harmful uses of these technologies. And, um, you know, Enola's website, which I'm sure you'll, You'll, you'll tell the listeners about Gordon and, and the Center for Genetics and Society website has lots and lots of information. And I think um, what we've seen is that as different sort of constituency groups start to understand these issues, they understand them through the lens of their own uh, most immediate interests. So um, I think the, the values, the mother values, the mothering values that Enola is talking about um, has translated into articles and blog posts in some of the key um, publications and blogs in that world. And the same has happened among environmentalists. The same has happened among uh, progressive religious um, organizations. And, uh, the same has happened among women's health and reproductive rights organizations. So there's lots of places to sort of grab hold and start thinking through these issues. Um, and it's you know, just like we had to do that for those who are old enough, uh, those of us who are old enough, you know, many decades ago, we had to start really understanding, um, wow, we have this environmental crisis, and we had to look at different pieces of it and understand it to be something that was so pressing that we um, needed a array of organizations to deal with it. I think the same kinds of things are going to have to happen around these issues of human biotechnologies. Right, and I, I just want to commend and, and plug uh, the Center for Genetics and Society. When we want information on this subject, that's where we go. And so right. I think they've got a great deal of, of information and, and uh, arrayed in a way that people can understand. Uh, one other thing that I, I think is really important uh, is the focus. Anola, unfortunately, I'm going to have to stop you, but I'll give you a chance to say okay. what you wanted to say in Thank the next you. segment. Uh, but I promise you both, in the um, little promo that, accompanies this recording on when people access it, both the URLs of your organizations will be present and what they've what they'll be listening to is uh, will bring them back to those URLs. Now apologies for being an interrupter, but it's the tyranny of time. So we'll take the break now and there's another segment coming. So, this is Dr. Gordon Asley, and my guests are Enola Ed and Dr. Marcy Donofsky. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We will be back. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com 
Are you missing some romance in your life? How do you make the man of your dreams, you know, that guy you married, keep looking at you just like he did the very first time? How about checking out the Married with Romance show with your host, Emily Ann Weber? We'll help you spice up the boring and mundane and turn it into the sexy and fun. You are loved by your husband, but it's time to feel like it. Tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you living the life you were truly meant to live? Join host Janice Darrow each week for Living the Best You. Our program guides you to the empowerment of the real you and your inner intuitive voice. That inner voice can and does lead us to a magnificent and empowering life when we learn to listen to it. Gain greater tools on how to listen and follow your dreams through Janice's wisdom and those of her enlightened guests. You'll be ready to live a more fulfilled life. Tune in to Living the Best You every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week, Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Enola Ed and Dr. Marcy Donofsky. Our topic is Mothers for a Human Future. Now, let's talk about the things that you would like to do, both of you, and see done to combat the harmfulness of human genetic engineering and assisted reproductive technologies that you are most concerned about. Now, starting with you, Enola, I'd first of all like you to catch catch us up with what you were about to say when I cut you off in the interest of time. And then I want you to tell us what more you would like to do. Enola? So I just wanted to to mention that the the United Kingdom is sort of, we don't know exactly where, I don't know, Marcy, if you have any latest intelligence on where the United Kingdom is and its uh, process toward creating this exception on human genetic engineering. However, I think that it is really important for people who care about this issue um, to weigh in. One of the things that we have said is that with the input from the advisory committee at the Food and Drug Administration of the United States, it's very clear that any action to open up this exception would be premature. And so we have said to the United Kingdom authorities, it's really important that you slow this process down um, till there is um, more information, there's more uh, uh, comfort around the issues of safety and efficacy. There's simply not enough uh, assurance on safety and efficacy issues in order to move forward. And I know that the, the Center for Genetics and Society has a kind of, uh, process for people to weigh in, and I uh, welcome the opportunity to have Marcy uh, tell us what that, that website, that link is, if you still have it up, Marcy. Yes, we do. Marcy, that, and also the question I have for you, what more would you like to do? Marcy, away you go. Um, Right. So 
I think that um, keeping up the pressure on uh, the U.K. government is really um, essential. Um, I do also think that, you know, we, we need to educate people to the broader question. In the, unlike in the United States, the U.K. actually already bans inheritable genetic modification, which is what we're talking about here. That's a concern. And the vote that will take place sometime this year in Parliament would be to carve out a narrow exception to that existing ban. And the problem is that that exception could well open the door to other exceptions and more exceptions and then, uh, you know, kind of an eroding away of the prohibition completely. That's the concern. So on the one hand, um, we have to, you know, Look at the bigger picture, and if if the um, unfortunate development occurs that the UK does in fact vote to proceed with these human trials, we have to emphasize that the broader the broader fight against a Gattaca world, against a world in which we're trying to re-engineer our children and our future generations, that fight is still very much on, and this would be kind of like a um, a call, a call to arms, in a way. If this, if this vote were to go the wrong way, right. so I, I think, think it's important to have that context, and still to very, to be very clear that we have to keep up the pressure and try to convince the UK government and specifically the parliamentarians, the MPs, who will take this vote, that this would be a very, very bad choice of a road to go down. Right. Uh, Anolo, just, yeah. I'm just going to interrupt you because I, I know you want to say something more and I want you to do it, but I also would like you to say what more you would like to see done by healthcare and social system. That is to say, and I completely agree with everything you've all both been saying at the high level, but there's also the everyday life of healthcare and social systems in countries. And so my question to you is when you've said what you want to say mm -hmm. is what do you want to see healthcare and social systems right. do in countries all over well, the place? Well, I, I, think, I think it's important that, number one, I, I just wanted to say that, that, that this conversation and the decision-making about these technologies should not be monopolized by scientists and researchers and you know, the so-called experts and, and companies who are really motivated largely by profit, as, as Mar Marcy mentioned. So people who are advocates for children and families, um, we really need to work together to mobilize ourselves so that we can uh, press for a, a global conversation about these technologies, uh, how best to use them, and, and, and have a leading role in, in, in deciding what, kind of future we want for ourselves and our children and our children's children. I mean, we, it's something that we owe to our, our children and grandchildren. Um, so, you know, more forums like this, um, encouraging listeners to stay connected with the Center for Genetics and Society so that we know what, what issues are coming up, what action alerts need to be responded to, etc. On the question of healthcare and social systems, I think that they ought to be leaders in an aggressive effort to maintain the global moratorium uh, uh, on, on uh, the use of these technologies. And they ought to be, uh, in my world, they would be creating opportunities for the broadest cross-section of people possible to consider fully the, not just the scientific case, but the moral, ethical, legal, societal, the international implications of, of this, this technology. And they should be leaders in, in educating and engaging the public in the decision-making on this issue. And I, they've got to do it quickly because, you know, the technology, as we said before, is moving so fast. 
Um, and at some point down this uh, road to the post-human future, we're going to reach a point at which there's going to be no turning back. So right. that's what gives me my sense of urgency every morning when I get up. So while okay. there's still time, we've got to really mobilize. Yep. Marcy, what more would you like to see done by the research community? Marcy? That, that's a really good question, Gordon. Um, uh, what we have found over the years in working on these issues is that there is a, I think, understandable tendency on the part of scientists and researchers to, um, to not want to criticize each other on some of these broad issues. And um, because there is a terrible, you know, assault in so many quarters on, on science when we're talking about, for example, climate change and, and things like that, um, that, that, that there is this reluctance. Um, and, and that has, even though this is a separate field, we, we've really noticed this phenomenon where um, it's kind of circle the wagons round mentality on the part of researchers so that even when we speak with scientists and researchers privately and they share our concerns about inheritable genetic modification and agree with us that it shouldn't happen, they're reluctant to speak out because some of the... Um, there are some influential figures in the field that uh, are advocating for this. However, when, when we've taken up this very specific issue, this question about this very particular technique that um, Enola described at the beginning of our hour about combining eggs from two women and winding up with a three-person embryos and three-person, three-parent babies, when we've come to that, um, it, it's actually been a more promising picture. And um, F, uh, Enola mentioned this committee of the FDA that held a hearing in late February that both she and I attended. And we were, um, we were quite um, happy that so many of the committee members, so many of the scientists in that group raised a lot of concerns. And the FDA in our country is not even supposed to look at social or ethical questions. They're only supposed to look at safety and efficacy. But even these, you know, very experienced scientists acknowledged quite openly, many of them, that there are both very serious safety and efficacy questions, and there are very significant social and ethical questions that need to be considered. And the conclusion of the committee was not safe to move ahead at this time, and the conclusion of the FDA staff was we really need a broader consideration of the social and ethical questions. That's a very encouraging and powerful note to finish on because we do have to finish. And just to say that in, in that sense, it's activism towards the research community, the health care and social systems, as well as the larger uh, world level organizations that all need to speak, listen and inform populations. Now, on that rather wordy point, we have to close. So I want to say thank you and a very sincere thank you to Enola and Marcy uh, for all that you've said so clearly and so strongly. And I want to wish you every, every success in, in your work, because as I think you've both made clear, this is the most powerful and important work of our time. I want to say thank you to our listeners. We'd like to hear your comments on this episode. And from our listeners, I'd like to hear about ideas for topics or if you're interested in being a guest on the show. Our next episode will be eye movement desensitization and reprocessing treatment for post-traumatic stress disorder. Please join us same time, same spot on the Internet. Talk to you then. 
thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again twice every week, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until the next show, we hope our programs help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. We'll be right back. 